amanecer tú pintas con tu luz con la gloria y esplendor de tu nombre antes de la creación en el trono estás nadie se compara Nadie es como tú Adonai, Elohai Mi Dios en gran yo soy Rey del cielo, Hijo de Dios El Cordero y el León Que ha de venir Ha de venir La creación Quién fue, quién es y quién vendrá.
Thank you. Thank you for everybody that was praying right now during this crazy thing that just happened. We're back online. Um, let's pray for the message and then we'll get right to it. Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for allowing us to come back online, Lord Jesus. Only you know why this happened, Lord. So we leave it in your hands, Lord Jesus. We know that somewhere in the background the enemy is always trying to distract us tries to put us down lord jesus tries to get into whatever it is that you're doing father god as your word says he's the prince of the air lord jesus and we're going on the air lord jesus and he hates this father but we are not going to allow this to to keep us down lord jesus thank you lord thank you father god i pray for tonight's message lord jesus i pray that those who do not know you, Lord Jesus, know that you are a real God. That they know, Father God, that you are so real, Father God, that you are right next to them, Lord Jesus. For those who do not know you, Father God, 
I pray that even if it's just one person listening right now, Lord Jesus, who does not know you, Lord, that they will come to the knowledge and the truth, Lord, of who you are, Father. Lord Jesus, speak to us tonight in this book, in this message, for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Calvary Chapel, we're going to continue in the book of Ezra, chapter 1. And if you remember, the last time we were in the book of Ezra, this very same thing happened. Where we got knocked down, or actually the, the website went down, the internet went down, then the laptop shut down. This is the last time we were supposed to be in the book of Ezra. So, we're back in the book of Ezra. Um, let's begin reading chapter 1 of Ezra. Verse 1 says, Now, in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put, in, put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth the Lord God of heaven has given me, and he has commanded me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah, who is among all of you, all his people. May his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is God, which is in Jerusalem. Give me one second. If you can hear me, give me a thumbs up in the comments below because I'm not getting any feedback right now. If you can hear me, give me a thumbs up. All right, I see them. All right, good deal because I'm not getting any feedback back over here. Okay, let's continue reading. And whoever is left in any place where he dwells, let the men of his place help him with silver and gold, with goods and livestock, besides the free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests of the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. King Cyrus also brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had taken from Jerusalem and put in the temple of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, brought them out by the hand of Mithradad, the treasurer, and counted them out to Shezbazar, the prince of Judah. This is the number of them. 30 gold platters, 1,000 silver platters, 29 knives, 30 gold basins, 410 silver basins of a similar kind, and 1,000 other articles. All the articles of gold and silver were 5,400. All these Shezbazar took with the captives who were brought from Babylon to Jerusalem. <laughs> Talk about trials. That is what the topic that we're going to be focusing on this evening in the book of Ezra. 
Many of us have heard, and I'm sure you've used this term, this, this saying, I know I myself have used this, this saying before, where, where we say, you know, work smarter, not harder, which is good. That is true to a degree. But many has, have taken this, you know, speaking about Christian people, many have taken these, this saying and taken out of context in our walk with the Lord. Meaning that if something is challenging, something is difficult, that means that it's not of God. That we shouldn't be working hard so that we're doing the work of God. Again, Oswald Chambers, who used to be a preacher back in the 1900s, one, one time wrote, Thank God He gives us difficult things to do. Read it again. I'll read it again. I had to read it a few times in order for me to understand what he was saying. Oswald Chambers. Thank God he gives us difficult things to do. We live in a generation where, you know, they call them millennials. And a lot of people call them flakes because they see something difficult and they... They vanish. They give up. Well, that may be true to a degree. Again, not for every single millennial. One of the things that we got to remember is that if that is true for somebody that you know who is from that generation, a lot of the times we've allowed it. We who are older than they are, we allowed them. Or, or if it's one of our family members, maybe we raised them to be that way because we wanted to raise them not having to to lack the things that probably we or you lacked growing up. Now, this society that we live in, you know, everything, especially now, everybody lives on, in social media. Whatever outlet it may be, Facebook, you know, Instagram, whatever, TikTok, there's so many other new social medias out there. And not only social media, but the mainstream news media have made people famous. Famous for just simply, in my personal view, for doing something that is not noteworthy. People like Bruce Jenner. And we know that he used to be an athlete. I'm calling him he and by his biological name, Bruce Jenner. He obviously, and I'm not going to go into details, you know his story. Or Colin Kaepernick. They made him famous for what? How is that bravery? How is that being courageous? How is that something that is notable? Well, it is notable in the eyes of the world nowadays and in this society. But that is not something that is difficult. In the book of, of, of Ezra, God, and in God's book... He has over 5,000 people, which he himself called them heroes. 5,000 people. And the 5,000 people that I'm talking about took a journey over years, many years ago, thousands of years ago, to be exact, 538 BC, when these 5,000 people answered the call of God. They heard the voice of God in their hearts. And they answered that call when they were released from captivity in Babylon. They were called 
not to do something easy. They were called to do a, a difficult, a very difficult task to go and rebuild the temple of God. To go and rebuild their broken down communities, their broken down city, their broken down walls. Now, they themselves lived what Paul later wrote in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 31. Where it says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And they lived it, again, way before Paul wrote it, they lived it firsthand. They knew that God had called them to to do this task, to do this difficult thing. And they knew for foregoing that it was going to be challenging. They knew they were going to face difficulties. They knew they were probably going to lose their lives. You know, some of them on the way there. It wasn't like they, they were about 30 minutes away because they took an Uber down there. They had to take a 900-mile journey on foot. Okay? Now... Let's, let's begin again in verse 1, where it says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he made proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put it in writing, saying, Notice how the text starts by saying, Now. Now given insight that this is a continuation from our previous book. And if you remember, if you're with us during the introduction of this book, the book of Ezra, it really is a continuation from the book of First and Second Chronicles. It is believed, if you look at the way, the style of writing, in the last verses of the book of Second Chronicles, how it matches to almost the very exact words of the first verses of the book of Ezra. So now... It gives us insight to know that this was a letter, a book for us to know that it was continuing from the previous one. Now, those, those several prophets had warned uh, the people of Israel that this was going to happen. And we just finished not too long ago the book of Joel, where they were warned to turn away from their sin. Now, God also used Isaiah. And he also, through Isaiah, through Joel, warned them that they were going to be punished for not heeding to the word of the Lord. Not for not asking for forgiveness, for not turning away from their sin. And actually continuing willingly, knowing that it was sinful what they were doing. Now in 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar took captive over 7,000 soldiers Israelite soldiers, over 7,000 soldiers uh, captive, over a thousand skilled workers from Jerusalem captive, meaning that he left behind those who were weaker, those who did not have probably as much wealth, leaving them, you know, to face after they had destroyed the city, after they had plundered the city and left very little things to survive upon, simply left them to die. Now, in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 24 and chapter 25, it describes how Babylon went and besieged Jerusalem, taking all the wealth and again leaving the weaker people to fend out for themselves in the city. Now, go with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 44. 
Isaiah chapter 44. Now this is why I encourage you to use your Bible because maybe you're watching on your phone and you can't use the app. You know, it might be faster if you're going through the app finding the scripture. Now Isaiah 44, beginning in verse 24. And it says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, and He who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself, who frustrates the signs of the babblers and drives diviners mad, who turns wise men backwards and makes their knowledge foolishness, who confirms the word of his servant and performs the counsel of his messengers, who says to Jerusalem, you shall be inhabited, to the cities of Judah you shall be built, and I will rise up her waste places, who says to the deep, be dry, and I will dry up your rivers, who says to Cyrus, he is my shepherd, and he shall perform all my pleasure, saying to Jerusalem, you shall be built, and to the temple your foundation shall be laid. Now listen again to verse 28, the beginning, who says to Cyrus, he is my shepherd. Cyrus. Now this scripture was written over 150 years prior to Cyrus being born. Now God didn't write prophecy hoping that this King Cyrus will probably hear his name and fall in line with it. God wrote this prophecy 150 years prior to him being born because he foreknew that King Cyrus was going to soften his heart. Now again, King Cyrus, if you were with us in our last study, in the introduction, King Cyrus was a pagan king. He was a pagan king. Now, nowhere in scripture do we know that he became a believer after he acknowledges that God is the true God. Now, Joshua 23 verse 14 also says, Not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. God has and will continue to use people who are not believers, people who are pagan, so that He can prove to be faithful to His promises. Not one thing that He has prophesied, prophesied has failed. Where in scripture can you find something that God said and it didn't come to pass? Now there may be some things that have not taken place, but nothing, nothing that was prophesied and has already taken place has failed. God's promises have not failed. God is in control of everything, whether, you know, even, even this thing that we're going through here around the world currently right now, with this virus spread, spreading all around. He's still in control regardless. Now, God raised up Nebuchadnezzar to chasten or, or to punish Israel. Now, you may think, people who don't know the nature of God, how can a God, a loving God, punish his own people if he's so loving? Well, you got to understand that if you have children, think about it this way. You warn your children time and time again, until I say, you know what, you say, enough is enough. I got to discipline you. He did the same thing. He warned them time and time again. 
Now Jeremiah chapter 25 verse 9, Jeremiah 27 verse 6, Jeremiah 43 verse 10. It is prophesied that he was going to do this. God was going to judge them. Now God also raised up again besides King Nebuchadnezzar. He also raised up King Cyrus who we're speaking about right now. He raised him up to defeat Babylon. Babylon at the time of Nebuchadnezzar they were very powerful. But then Cyrus, king of Persia, came along, raised up by God, again, pagan people, to chasten or discipline his own children, God's children, the Jewish people. And he calls King Cyrus, specifically here, my shepherd, in verse 28 of Isaiah 44. Now, because we have scripture we learned that in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 and verse 35, King Nebuchadnezzar learned his lesson. After spending seven years, literally out of his mind, he went crazy, acting like an animal, a wild animal. And in Daniel chapter 4, verse 34 and 35, he says, King Nebuchadnezzar speaking, God's dominion is an everlasting one, and his kingdom is from generation to generation no one can restrain his hand. No one can restrain his hand. This is somebody who used to be a pagan and then became a believer. He had to learn the hard way, but he learned. And for us, we have the scripture, scriptures, New and Old Testament, that warns us not to fall away, not to live like the world, but to follow God, to follow Jesus Christ. So that we don't have to learn the hard way. Now, the next verse that, that we're going to read, verse 2. Who remembers the movie, the, the original, I think there's only one, the movie, The Ten Commandments, back in 1956 with Char Carlton Heston. Remember him? Carlton Heston. I imagine him, the way he spoke in that movie, reading the next verse read along with me verse 2 thus says cyrus king of persia and carlton heston it let it be written let it be done you know the way he speaks thus says cyrus king of persia all the kingdoms of the earth the lord god of heaven has given me and he has commanded me to build him a house at jerusalem which is in judah who is among you of all his people may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem which is in Judah and build the house of the Lord God of Israel he is God which is in Jerusalem and whoever is left in any place where he dwells let the men of his place help him with silver and gold with goods and livestock besides the free will offerings for the house of God which is in Jerusalem now, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 6, this is King Jehoshaphat speaking, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the earth. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. God, again, just doesn't use Christian people. God doesn't just use believers or, or his own people. To do his will to serve him he uses anybody he can use and i've said this many times he can use a stone 
to you to do His will. But He wants to use us. And right now in these trying times that we live in, he, he wants to use mayors. He wants to use governors. He wants to use the president of the United States. For what? To fulfill His will. And if you're with us in our Sunday studies in the book of First Peter, we've already learned that He, God, instructs us to pray for the leadership regardless of whether we like Him or we hate them or whatever, to pray for them, to be faithful to what God has called us to, to do. Now, King Cyrus, the decree that he signed or the law that he, he put into place, when he wrote it, when he spoke it and it was written, let it be written, let it be done, he boldly stated, the Lord of heaven is God. He acknowledged that he was God. There were two groups of people that uh, the king was addressing during this law or this, or this decree that he put into place. He was talking to two people and one group answered. The first group of people that answered were 50,000 people. Now 50,000 people sounds like a big number, but you got to remember that when they were taken into captivity, it, it was over a million people, over two, I believe it was approximately 3.5 million people, I may, may be wrong, that were taken into captivity. Remember, just picture Jerusalem, the size of San Antonio, but only a small portion of the south side of San Antonio came back. Only a small portion answered the calling of God. Now that was the, one of the groups of people that King Cyrus was speaking about. The other group of people uh, were those people who by now had made Babylon their home. And what I mean by Babylon their home, Babylon is a representation of the world. They had become very comfortable living in the world like the world being part of the world, being exactly the same way the world was. They were comfortable. They didn't want to go back. They had gained wealth in the city. However, some of those people who also stayed behind, they were urged. Actually, everybody stayed behind were, were urged by King Cyrus to support those who, the small portion, the very small percentage of people who went back to Jerusalem to support them not only financially but spiritually also to support them now as a body as a church body not all of us are called to to serve not all of us are called to to preach not all of us are called to to serve physically in the church some of you are called to serve by praying and you know what I like it when somebody says, I've been praying for you. And I felt, sometimes you feel those prayers. I've been praying for you. Or, or they actually say, I'm going to pray for you right now. Right now, I'm praying for you right now. But one of the things that everybody, everybody, doesn't matter what body or church you belong to. Doesn't matter how young, how old you are. Everybody, and I'm not taking this out of context, everybody's called to give to support your church everybody's called to, to do so scriptures like james chapter 1 verse 17 teaches that 
1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Luke 6, 38, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Now, there are two scriptures that stand out mostly from all these. The first one, uh, Mark chapter 12, verse 41, it says, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus speaking about the widow who gave everything that she had, literally everything, her might. Her might was less, it had less worth than a penny. And she gave everything. It says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave everything, all she had to live on. And obviously I'm reading from the NIV version. Another scripture, this is Paul speaking, also the NIV, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 2. On the first day of every week, each one of you should get, set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income, saving it up so that no collection will be made. We, Calvary Chapel, we don't pick up a formal offering. We leave it between you and the Lord, just like we trust that our God will provide, we leave it for you. We leave it up to you between you and God that He will put it in your heart. Now I'm not taking I'm not making this message about giving. You know, our stance, Calvary Chapel Stout San Antonio, my personal stand, the elders stands on the giving. But also in the New Testament, first and second Timothy in the book of Titus teaches us that we ought to give in support of the ministry, the work of God in your local church. If you're part of our church, then it's part of your responsibility. If you belong to another body, it's your responsibility to support that church. And I'm not taking anything out of context. You can look back, read the scriptures, rewind if you can a little bit so you can reread those scriptures. Now, Let's keep reading back in the book of Ezra, verse 5. Then the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Now, some people may take out of context this verse, those whose hearts God had moved, meaning people will say, well, God only moved upon those 5,000, 50,000 people. No, that's not what the scripture is saying. Those people were called, all the people in Jerusalem were called. These are the children, the special people of God. They were all called, but only 50,000 heard the call and God touched their hearts even more further. They allowed him to go further into their hearts to answer and receive and submit to that call. That's what this verse means. Now notice who were the first people to respond to this call. It says here, the heads of the father's houses. That means the leaders, the men, the husband, the father of the house, the household. Now, if there is no young man in the home of a single mother, then the responsibility obviously has to fall upon the mom. And what I mean about young man, a young man who can bring 
a simple study. But these were the people, the leaders, were the first ones to answer. And it should always be that way. That we fathers, we husbands, should be the first ones to say, you know what? Let's pick up this Bible and let's read. Even if it's just the proverb of the day. Let's just read the proverb of the day and see what the Lord does. Let's just read it. Let's read Proverbs number chapter 2 tomorrow, chapter 3 and 4 and 5 and so on. And let's see what God does. Because if he, if you answer that call, whatever it is that he's put in your heart, you begin with little steps. Uh, if you remember the, the movie, I can't remember the movie where um, it talks about baby steps. Baby steps. Uh, golly. What about Bob? That's the name of the movie. What about Bob? Remember, he, uh, the guy was was afraid to even leave his house. And the doctor, the, the psychologist that is helping him, he tells him, take baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. And he does that. Bill Murray. Bill Murray was the one, the, the main character. Baby steps. That's what we got to take. Just simply open the Bible and hear what God has to say. You may not recognize his voice right away, but simply open it up. You will eventually recognize his voice. He will eventually speak through you things that you will be like, wow, that came out of me. Believe me, <laughs> when you do that, you're going to be amazed. Your kids are going to be amazed. And there's going to be a lot of brownie points for you with your wife. Believe me. Now, God moves upon the hearts of the people who do answer the call. Those who, who respond. Because maybe people will say, you know what? God has spoken something into my heart. He, he's telling me something in my heart. It says here, with all those whose spirits God had moved, arose. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his ple good pleasure. The hearts of the people were moved to go build, rebuild the temple of God. He planted something in their hearts. He planted something in your heart. Now it's up to you to, to answer the call. Don't wait until the stars and the moon align. You know, or we over-spiritualize something. Well, pastor, I'm praying about this. And, you know, a whole year passes and, well, I guess it wasn't the Lord because he didn't make it come to pass. No, what happens is that when the Lord puts something in your heart, and if you don't listen, the enemy will gladly come and snatch it away. It eventually will fade away. Because you'll be like, well, yeah, it wasn't the Lord. It wasn't it wasn't his calling because I didn't see things line up. I didn't it, it, you know everything wasn't make logical logical sense. So I didn't I didn't follow the Lord. No. Baby steps. The fathers, the heads of the of the tribes, they heard the call. They were the first ones to take that risk. We're gonna be ridiculed if you've never even prepared a small little Bible study with your family. We're gonna sound dumb. It's okay. It's okay. When if you have kids who are older, when they begin to walk, when you teach them to walk for the first time, what do they do? They're afraid. They will fall, they will stumble, but what do you do? Come on, mijo, come on, mija, oh, you know, let me love you. That's what the Lord will do to you. Just don't give up, baby steps. 
let's, let's keep reading verse 6. Verse 6. And all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock, and with precious things besides all that was willingly offered. All that was willingly offered. What does that mean? God stirred the hearts of, of the heart of first of all King Cyrus to grant freedom to all these captives. God also stirred the hearts of those people who answered the call, fifty thousand of them. And it also God stirred the hearts of those other people to support them financially and spiritually to return to Jerusalem. Those people to return to Jerusalem um, to rebuild the, the temple. And God not only called them, but he provided for them. He provided uh, monetary financial assistance. He provided obviously people. He provided all the supplies they were going to need through King Cyrus because King Cyrus eventually says uh, I'll pay for it we will get there tonight but eventually he says King Cyrus I will pay for this he supplied everything all the supplies he, he provided um, funds to pay for those workers who were going to be working there skilled workers he provided food he provided sacrificial animals because eventually they were going to have to to offer sacrifices in all the things the God or that the people of God were going to need on top of all the free will offering meaning other things that people just say you know what I want to give you this gold and silver items here I want to give you this take this it was from their hearts it was from their hearts we are called again we're called to to give back to God and, and you know what we're not tied to the Ten Commandments but the Ten Commandments were not wiped out now that we live in the New Testament the Ten Commandments are still in place for us to follow even though we're not Jewish to follow as a moral principle for us to follow now you will not get saved by following which is impossible by following the Ten Commandments we live under grace so if the Jewish people were commanded to give a tenth of their wealth a tenth portion of whatever it was that they received of their income by law we don't live under law we live under grace so think about that our freedom was given to us because one person, Jesus Christ, dying for us. To whom much is given, the Bible says, to whom much is given, much is required of him. The money that we make, the money that you make, it's not our money. It belongs to God. So a really good principle to, to begin in order to, to stir up your heart, your baby steps to give, is follow the, the, tenth, the tithe. Give a tenth. And eventually, if the Lord says, you know what, it's too much for you to give a tenth, give less. Or if you're able to, 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 uh, to be able to give more, when the Lord, if the Lord, if the Lord is stirring you up, not because, you know, Joe Blow is telling you, well, you know, I give 50 bucks, you know, every other day, or Joe Schmo over there is also telling you, I give 150 or whatever, what the Lord says in your heart. Now what everybody else is saying. Now later we'll learn that when these 50,000 people 
arrived in Jerusalem, didn't find it, you know, didn't find all the supplies, didn't find everything ready for them to use. They faced a lot of challenges. They faced ridicule from the surrounding cities, the surrounding people that were there, you know, mocking them, threatening them, because they were they were doing God's work. When you go out to do God's work, a lot of the times it's your own family. Your own family is going to hold you back from serving the Lord. What do you mean you got to go to church on Wednesday night? Don't you go to church on Sundays? And then come Sunday, you got to go to church again on Sunday? You know, don't you go every other Sunday or, or you, every Sunday? And then when you, yes, I go to Wednesdays, I go to Sundays. Well, you know, they, believe, they begin to look at you weird. And they speak down upon you. He thinks or she thinks he's better than us. Now, when you're called to serve in whatever ministry you're called to serve, a lot of the times, if not every single time, it's going to feel overwhelming because a lot of the times we're going to serve in, an, in a ministry, in an area where we're not familiar with. You're going to feel like you want to give up. You're going to feel like you just want to throw in the towel. And a lot of the times I'm speaking about me. But the enemy is just right there behind me speaking. You know, just give up, dude. Just give up. Who do you think you are? It feels overwhelming. Yes, sometimes uh, having the weight in, in, in each one of you, whatever ministry that you serve in, it's going to feel that way. You're going to feel like, man, I'm the only one who is doing this. I'm the only one serving. I'm the only one showing up on time or, or whatever. Me personally, and I got to be careful the way I say what I'm going to say. You know, me personally, what I'm saying, I mean it in love. Me personally, when I was called into ministry, um, I was called into ministry after I, we have been praying, my wife and I have been praying about going to another church and serving. We're actually already serving another church. And the Lord specifically said, no. We didn't know why at the time. He said, no, you're not leaving. You're staying there at that church. It was three times that he said, no, you're not going. You're staying there. But when I, and I stepped into this ministry shortly after that, um, I was betrayed by the people that, or the person. And I don't say this in, in a bad way. I say it in love and it still hurts. But we've come so far as a church also. I wasn't the only one who faced challenges when all this happened. Betrayal, you know, deceit. You know, what if? If we were, be honest, we were like, are they going to betray us? There was a young uh, single mom of a young lady that was here at the time. And when all this happened, at the time I was not the pastor, but she, she asked me, are you going to leave too? And I said, no, the Lord called me to stay here. And yes, again, we've all gone through something very difficult as a church, as a body. But we cannot take for granted all those challenges because we've come along so far already. And these people face those challenges simply by leaving Jerusalem and the journey that they went to through 
that when they got to Jerusalem and they saw all this, like, whoa, no way. How are we going to do this? How, where are we going to start? Where do we begin? What do we do first? And the first thing that they did, obviously, we know that they prayed. Okay, Lord, where do we start? Where do we begin? What do we do first? How are we going to do this? And then eventually the Lord started providing for them. Now, whenever God calls us to serve Him in whatever ministry, He doesn't call you to go into a scavenger hunt. He doesn't call you to um, to see if you can find Him. He'll call you, and He's not going to leave you, you know, just hanging out, you know, I don't know how this is going to happen. He calls you, but He will also provide everything that you will need. Everything, literally everything. He will provide people, the servants. He will provide um, anything and everything. In due time, the Lord will come to make come to pass His will. We just simply have to surrender to His calling. We have to answer His calling and say, Lord, I'm willing and I'm ready. Going to be difficult, and it is always difficult when you do the work of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for for what you do for us, Lord Jesus. When we don't see it, Lord, especially when we don't see it, Lord Jesus, how you actually we are the ones who. Choose to ignore you, Father. But you gently call us, Lord. And you gently tug at us. Father, just like Ezra faced different challenges. And all these people, 50,000 of them, faced different challenges, Father. Help us to go through them with you. Not only to believe in you, but to believe you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. For all you've done and you continue to do in our lives, Jesus. In your son's name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys.
to cheat.